One thing I wanted to clarify as we get ready to begin here is it's to, uh, for those of you who don't know Wendy and I and haven't met us before, you're newer to the church, we've been serving with the Alliance in Russia since 2003. I failed to mention that at the beginning. Um, so I just wanted to, to clarify that. So when I was in college, I read this book called Order Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald. Now I remember, you know, when I was in college, I used to be almost five years ago, ten years ago. That's 30 years ago now. You know, starting to, knees are starting to give out and uh, not as uh, energetic as I used to. You know, that little Energizer battery bunny, just, he's still beating the drum, but it's, you know, it's a little slower. But when I was there, when I was in college, I read this book by Gordon McDonald, and he gave this picture of a submarine. And he said, at the surface of the ocean in the North Atlantic during World War II, they had the, all these crazy storms and, and there was mass chaos going up and down. And if a submarine got too close to the surface, when the storms were on, they were in danger of being turned upside down. But the submarine, if it stayed deep enough, several hundred feet underneath the surface, it was always calm. And the point of the book was to look at our spiritual lives, that no matter what is happening in the chaos surrounding our lives, we can, if we go deep in our relationship with Christ, live at peace and live in a stable way. And the, and the book then went into the various pieces of that. And, and that is what I wanted to try to convey to you today about the peace of Christ, is, is two pieces. First of all, peace is not passive. Well, first of all, well, okay. first of all the peace I want to talk about today is inter the internal peace that we experience, or we hope to experience, on a daily, weekly, live-life-ly basis. But secondly, I want to say is that this peace is not passive. Usually we say, oh God, please bless me with peace. And oh, I feel a little bit more at peace. You know, we, we look to peace like it is a, something passive. I want to say today, though, based on the passage in 1 Corinthians 3.15, that peace is active. It is something that we are to pursue and we are to bring about within our own lives. We are to take that submarine of our life and dive. We don't live at the surface. We don't have to live at the surface. We can take that submarine and dive. So Colossians, as you probably all know, since you've been studying it probably for, what, six months or so? I, I don't know how, how long, but two months? Oh, yeah. The first Alliance Church I went to, the guy spent five years on the book of James. So, you know. <laughs> We did. We're doing one word this week. Yay! So, yeah, but uh, yeah, the book of Colossians is basically broken down into two parts. Most Pauline epistles are broken down into two parts. The first half is doctrine, where, you know, it's, it's all the, the theological truths and, and, and stuff. And the second half is an application. In light of the truths of this doctrine, how then should we live? And so chapter 3 of Colossians, we make that transition. Colossians 1 and 2 talk about the, the, the doctrines, and he sets forth different doctrines. And then in, in chapter 3, he begins, well, in light of this, in light of therefore, since we have been raised up with Christ, how should we be living? We should be seeking the things of Christ, living for eternity, and not living for the temporal, because this temporal will burn up. 
And so he moves into this first part of uh, chapter 3, and he begins a, uh, a contrast that you see in Colossians 6, you see in Romans 8, where you have living in the Spirit versus living in, in the, the, the flesh, or the fruit of the Spirit versus the fruit of the flesh, as it's talked about in Galatians. And he, he, the, the wording is a little bit different, but the principles are the same. In light of living for eternity and living under Christ, this is how we should, therefore, live. And so, picking up in verse 12, that energizer battery. So, as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. There's two lets here. Three, three commands in these last couple of verses. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were indeed called in one body. Second command, and be thankful. Third, let the word of Christ dwell, uh, richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. A reflection of Ephesians 5.18, almost word for word. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I want to concentrate today on verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. It's word peace. Yeah, you do Greek study on it, it's always translated as peace. So what is peace? As I said, there, there's a couple different aspects to peace. The first aspect is this internal, as I like to call it, tranquility, calmness. Uh, there's also an external uh, aspects to peace, and, and this is, um, you know, I should remember to use this, uh, the nature of peace. What it is? This is working, isn't it? Can you please forward it one slide? There we go. There we go. Just leave it there. What is peace? Well, as I said, internally, it's this idea of tranquility. But on an external fact, it, you talk about you know, that, that, you, that there is this harmony. There's a lack of war uh, in the social political realm or between two parties, two people, etc., so that's the nature of peace. But what is it not? This is sometimes maybe a little bit easier. Peace is not war. There is not peace between the Ukraine and Russia right now. There is, they are in a state of war. Uh, peace is not anger on internal sense. Uh, a lot of times um, uh, anger is antithetical to peace because peace is tranquility. Anger leads to, anger in itself is an emotional reaction to circumstances and can lead to great things and great changes within society if channeled correctly. But that energy we usually use in a very selfish manner and we end up lashing out and hurting those around us, especially spouses, especially children. Anger is antithetical usually to peace. Uh, worry is antithetical to peace. You think of tranquility, you think of someone... Just sitting there, 
breathing deeply. Worrying is antithetical to that. You know, that, that knot, that, that dough ball in the stomach as you sit there and you worry about this, that, and the other thing. And you sit at night and your heartbeat is running at 160, 160 beats a minute. Well, I guess that would be way too fast. About, about 90 or 100 a minute while you're laying in bed. No, you're supposed to be at 50 when you're sleeping. You know? uh, it's, it's that, uh, so, so worry is antithetical. And, and, and Having conflict with each other is also antithetical to peace. So that's, that's what peace is not. I think um, I just love the way my wife put it, though. What, what, what is the essence of peace? It's a sense of tranquility and contentedness that is not dependent on our circumstances. It is a sense of tranquility and centeredness on Christ that is not dependent upon one's circumstances. I've had a long journey to peace over my life. Um, I remember I was here in 2013 and, and shared some of my own struggles with anger and how that affected my family, etc. And, and that, this, this journey towards peace has been difficult because I wanted and lived on the edge, and I lived on the edge of anger all the time. I, I would push my stress levels beyond what I really could handle. And it was unhealthy for my wife. It was unhealthy for my children. And I'm still seeing some of the consequences to these days in the attitudes of some of my own kids. It, it just had a very negative effect. Yes, I got a lot done ministry-wise, but there was a price to pay. And I began to realize that I needed to make some changes, especially starting in 2011 and, and moving on beyond that. And, and just it, part of it was seeking this peace and letting peace rule, slowing down. So it's been a long journey. I can't say that I'm 100% have found it and, and I'm there and, and, and singing Kumbaya every moment of the day. But uh, I'm sorry, I'm dating myself. Um, talk to your parents and grandparents. They'll tell you what it is. It's been a long journey. But this pastor says, let peace rule in your heart. Let peace rule in your heart. So the key word here is rule. What is this word rule? It's, it's the, this is the only time this word is used in the New Testament in Greek. Uh, this is the idea of like the judge or the arbitrator during a sports contest or, um, or a conflict between two, two different parties. It's sort of setting the boundaries. And this is not a passive thing. And this is where you get this idea that peace is something to be pursued it is to be applied to our lives. It is not something we passively wait about, hoping to show up in our hearts someday. It says, let peace rule. Don't let anger rule. Don't let worry rule. Don't let conflict rule. Don't let whatever those things are antithetical to peace rule. Rather, let peace rule within your heart. It's an inner working. So as Wendy and I were going through this whole process of getting ready to have this evacuation, one thing that she and I, as we reflected on that, is the Lord, that we experienced a lot of peace during this time. Our external circumstances, as Wendy already shared, were quite chaotic. And yet we turned and we looked back. There were moments where fear started to step in. You know, when I got that, when we got that word from the Lord at 7 p.m. on Thursday evening, 
That was the first time that I really got scared. We went around and closed the blinds on them because we're being watched. Who's watching us? Is it in the building across the way? Is it someone else in our building? We're, we're closing all the blinds, turning on background noise everywhere, and, and trying to be very careful in what we did during those last couple hours. And, uh, you know, fear started to try. But we found that the Lord blessed us with a degree of peace. And, and for some reason, thank the Lord, peace ruled the day for the most part during that time. We had those moments of fear. We quickly moved back into a place of peace. And we, we were grateful for that. And at the same time, um, as we were dealing with all this and going through that, uh, we, we, we found we got to the airport. We hadn't eaten as Wendy talked about us feeling nauseous. Got to the airport at 1130 at night and we were hungry. We were stinking hungry. For some reason, the restaurant was still open at midnight. We ate the first meal, <laughs> first good meal in several days. Uh, checked in. We were able to check in for our flight six hours in advance and go try to rest and settle down at the, at the gate. But the Lord, we saw that the Lord allowed us and the Lord blessed us with the peace and it ruled throughout the day. But one piece that you see in this verse, though, is it says, let peace of Christ rule in your hearts, but also says, to which indeed you were called in one body. And you go, what is that exactly? And as you study it closely, it's, it's the idea that peace guards the body. Peace guards the body. And it's references, if you go back to Colossians, earlier in Colossians, as well as passages in Philippians, where it talks about the unity and peace guard the body from outside incursions and from false prophets, etc. So peace is to help guard the body. This is the corporate application of peace. It is to protect the unity of the body. If we are at peace with each other, we are not in conflict with each other. And frankly, the only way you're ever really going to receive peace guarding the body and see this become a reality is if we, what we called it as, as our Moscow team called it, it is Philippians 2-ing it. If you look at Philippians 2, it talks about having the attitude of Christ and how he considered others more important himself. And, and we are to have that same attitude. He humbled himself, gave up his rights as, as uh, the second person of the Trinity and, and became a man. Uh, he became a germ on this planet and he was faithful to the point of death. And because of that, he was raised up and honored. And we are called to have that same attitude towards each other where we put each other's needs and wants above our own. And the, the interesting fact is, is if we are all so busy meeting each other's needs, our needs will be met in the process. When we are so busy only looking at our own needs, nobody's needs will be met in the process. It's a general principle, like Proverbs. It's a generality, but a pretty good one at that. And so, the, so Wendy and, and I, as we worked through this week, and, and, and et cetera, we saw very little of each other. But we noticed... Everything in its brother got done that needed to be done. We would come together for a half an hour of activity. We would discuss the next six hours what we were each going to do. And we headed off to our own sides of the apartments and we continued to work. There was a unity um, that worked together during this week that we had not seen in our marriage, if, if ever, frankly. And we were very grateful. The peace of Christ and this unity helped guard our relationship through this time. We came out of this together. Uh, we still loved each other when we got on the airplane. Uh, the anxiety and the, the, all the pressures from the outside did not just destroy us, but rather brought us closer together. So the second application of peace is, is not only is it to rule in our hearts, it's to guard the body. Now the third, uh, the second commandment in this passage is to be thankful. 
Yeah, it came up this time. Be thankful. Being thankful is difficult. For me, maybe for some of you it becomes very naturally. But for me it's very difficult. And so some of the passages in Philippians and others where it says always to be thankful, etc. I struggle. But it's interesting as Wendy and I reflected... As we have sat with people and we shared the full evacuation story, you know, she talked about eight pages of notes. That eight pages of notes was dealing just with the evacuation. Uh, you've got hundreds of pages of journaling if you want to include the last six months. But um, we found ourselves at each and every stage thankful. And we've tried in communicating that, that uh, message to people saying thankful. We saw God show up at each and every moment, protecting us, providing us just the right words that were needed, providing just the right amount of money to take care of this, that, and the other thing. And the Lord provided for us throughout. And we were so thankful. One of the pieces we were thankful for is that uh, the Lord gave Wendy the premonition over a year ago. You've got only about a year left in Moscow, most likely. And so when we returned in last August, she's already, you know, we were already trying to move and encourage our team to allow us to have the maternity home move into our apartment. But we started looking, okay, this we don't need, that we don't need. She made that 10,000 decisions months before we had to evacuate. And so it was just a matter of putting it into place. We actually started packing suitcases. When, our, when the twins came for Christmas this last year, we handed them two full extra suitcases and said, put them in storage. You know, mementos, the kids' toys, things that we, you know, would want, want in the long term. And thankfully, I was two less suitcases we had to try to carry out with us when we had to evacuate. Uh, we were thankful when uh, I walked in and, okay, the war has started. And, and when he said, we, we looked at each other and said, let's get those four suitcases packed. And then we'll take care of everything else. And so uh, we actually had those four suitcases packed about a week in advance, almost, you know, mostly packed. We already knew what we were taking with us on the plane. We were thankful that the Lord gave us guidance, gave us insight, so that at each and every stage, things went fairly smoothly and gave us just enough strength. As Wendy noted, I had just recovered from COVID. That, the last few days leading up to the evacuation, by 2 in the afternoon, that Energizer bunny put down his drumstick, put down the drum, and laid down. <laughs> Now, his mind was running a million miles an hour. He couldn't rest. But uh, at least uh, I was running out of strength much quicker because of COVID. Uh, by the time we left, it was getting back to normal. But um, the, we, we found ourselves in thankful. We tried to communicate that, that thankfulness for how the Lord provided and watched over us during this time. So letting peace rule. How do we go about making this a reality? So some conclusions. Well, first... How do we make this, let Christ, let, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? How do we make this a reality? Well, there, there's, there's three things that come into play here. First, keeping God's perspective in view keeps peace within reach. Keeping God's perspective in view keeps peace within reach. Let me just give you a, a word picture here. Many of you know that I love the Grand Canyon, even though it almost killed me. I do love the Grand Canyon and hike thousands, over a thousand miles in it, etc. But here's a nice black and white picture. You see the Colorado River down there. You don't know what color it is. Uh, you're looking down on Toltec Beach. You've got Monument, uh, uh, Explorer's Monument off to the left. And you, you can tell, okay, that's thousands of feet high, and you're, you're way up high, and you've got to do a rappel to get down there. But, okay, it's a nice picture, but it's incomplete. What color is that? What color is the river? I don't know. This is, our, this is our perspective on life. We can have a good idea of what's happening out there. We can see it, but it's incomplete. 
God's perspective, though, includes the color. Oh, there's the red cliffs. Oh, the Colorado River looks really silty. We got to let it sit out all night. If we, otherwise, it's going to clog up our filters. Unless we bring a little lo- um, a loom and we put it in there. That'll take care of it. It brings in, it brings to life. And it's the same thing with life. We need to keep God's perspective in view. We need to keep God's perspective in view. He sees the big picture. He knows what's going on long before we do. And he knows best. You know, our our little 10-year-olds think they know the world. Our little 5-year-olds think they know the world. You know, but the fact of the matter is, is they still see the world incomplete. And that is us. So secondly, how how do we keep God's perspective? First, we focus on God's character. First, we focus on God's character. You know, God is holy. So we're called to be holy. God is good. So, you know, and, and sometimes we, we pray, God, okay, we, we like to take God's character and say, well, but God, if you're good, that means you need to give me or do A, B, and C for me. Because that is, will be a demonstration that you are good. Well, you know, that child, that 10-year-old, you never did this, Caitlin, at the store. Give me the candy, give me the candy, give me the candy. You know, you know that 20-minute temper tantrum standing in line, give me the candy. You know, she thinks she wants the candy, but Diana knows best. No, she doesn't need that candy bar. That's the way we often are. It, 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 as Christ was teaching our prayer, he says often, you know, we know as fathers to give good gifts to our kids. They ask for bread. We don't give them a serpent or anything. The problem is, is that often we come to God and we ask for the stinking serpent. And God says, no, 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 no. You want the bread. A lot of times our own requests are more in line with our own desires and selfishness and those evil deeds that the first half of our, our sin nature or our natural desires that sometimes lean towards that which is unhealthy for us. So we have to keep God's character in view that he is good and he knows best. He is holy and he is calling us towards Christ-likeness in our own holiness. And sometimes that is a painful process. Sometimes when we punish our children, yes, it hurts us as much as it hurts them, but it's part of the painful process of, of discipline. You know, that sheep who goes off, the rod has to be, you know, Put it around the neck and push it back over. It may be uncomfortable for the sheep, but you don't want them falling off the cliff. So keeping God's character in view helps with perspective. Keeping God's person in view. And I found this was very important for me during the pandemic especially and this war. That God is sovereign. He was not caught by surprise by this war. He was not caught by surprise by this COVID-19. I was, but he was not. And he has his own purposes. There is a spiritual harvest happening in many parts uh, in both countries involved in this conflict that was not happening before. And we rejoice. We don't rejoice in the conflict, but we rejoice in the spiritual harvest. So focus on God's person. And finally, focus on God's promises. Uh, this, is, this is a tricky one. This is a very careful one because I have seen many people claim promises of God that may not be meant for them. When Wendy felt the Lord leading her to Joshua 1.8, okay, we can, we can stand on that ground, that God gave this promise to Wendy, even though it was originally given to Joshua and it dealt with uh, them taking over the land of Israel, but God said, Wendy, this promise is also for you today. That doesn't give us freedom to go within the Bible. Any promise given to anyone anywhere is for me to claim. 
There are many promises given to some of the, the prophets who I go, well, okay, yes, he gave that to Jeremiah, he gave that to Jer- Isaiah. That doesn't mean he's given you that promise as well. You have to be careful. There are many promises, though, that we can stand upon. You know, he who places his faith in Christ will have eternal life. Uh, he who places his faith in Christ is sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells within them. But finding, focusing on God's promises... So, so focusing on God's character, his pr- person, and his promises helps keep God's perspective and keeps peace within reach. Within the family, within the church, or sorry, secondly, not allowing stress to overwhelm you helps keep peace within reach. Not allowing stress to overwhelm you helps keep peace within reach. I discovered that many, much of the stress in my own life was my own fault. I need to make some more wiser decisions. I need to use that two-letter word a little more often rather than the three-letter word, you know, that N-O. I am not one who likes to say, no, I, oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, and I just triple booked myself. You know, like those airlines that used to sell 120% of the seats on a, on a plane. <laughs> Someone's going to have to be on standby. So don't overwhelm yourself. It helps keep peace. And you see uh, Pastor Lincoln off doing his sabbatical right now. And I want to praise him for that. When you look at the life of Christ, there's about, about 40 times mentioned where he got off to be alone or got off on a retreat with the disciples. That's 40 getaways in the length of three years. Try getting away with that, Pat Parker. <laughs> I think the others might not have something to say about that. Philippians 2 it helps keep corporate peace. When you look at the, the corporate body and keeping peace within the church, Philippians 2 it helps keep corporate peace within reach. And I already talked at length about that. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's difficult. Hopefully today I'll give you some of the tools um, I have not reached it. There have still been many moments over the last, especially the last six months, where I have not allowed peace to rule. Um, it is something that I will continue to strive towards until I reach eternity. And then the peace of Christ will rule <laughs> in eternity. But join me on this journey. Join me on this journey. We don't have to be people of conflict. We do not have to be people of worry. We do not have to be people who find peace unfindable. It is there. It is part of the blessing of being in Christ. It is part of that living for eternity. It's being offered to you and I today. All we have to do is turn it on. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this blessing. We thank you for this promise. We thank you that it is there. We thank you that you dwell within each and every one of us who have placed our faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. We are sealed with that spirit until the day of redemption, that day of eternity when we will stand in your presence. I pray, Lord, that you would empower us, that you would strengthen us. Give us the wisdom, the depth of insight. Help us to keep your perspective on the world in mind. Help us to say no. Pray that you empower us to let peace have the day. Help us keep that submarine a couple hundred feet underneath the surface. So no matter what is happening around us, no matter what is going on, your peace, the peace of Christ, can rule in our hearts. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom for life. 
We thank you that you loved us so much. You gave your son for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.